0: Hey, on this issue of Homo Superior.
1: When I started seeing some of the responses from some gene stands uh, and also some folks where it's like, well, very much, I'm paraphrasing here, but very much the ends justify the means Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It is people who, uh, I I wouldn't say that they're fascists or pro-fascists, but they're cool (laughs) with (laughs) fat
2: What are you doing?
0: Well, Brent is gay, and Calen's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior.
1: Welcome to Homo Superior, where, ra rah, Rasputin, Krakoa's greatest love machine, it was a shame how she carried on. Issue 275, I'm Kaylin and um, can't sing. Clark.
0: Uh, I'm Brent. Our timing's perfect today. This week, Marvel Unlimited celebrated 60 years of X-Men with an uncanny panel Mutant at Madness. She's got the look continues. And we just learned that Mutant Madness for straight people is only starting about now. <laughs> um, we had our most controversial poll yet where we get to the bottom of whether Jean Grey fans will let her do anything. Uh, what was I trying to write there? <laughs> we get to the bottom of whether Jean Grey fans will allow her to do anything. No, I meant that right. That's what you said. Yeah. 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 Apocalypse returns to X-Men, the animated (laughs) series, season three, episode nine. And boy, is he in like a lion, out like a lamb. They shoot him into space. Uh, With this week's issues, we take a look at the Sins of Sinister and find out who's out again or back in again on the issues. And as always, (laughs) we've got plugs and we've got jugs. But first, we've got Housekeeping.
1: Yep. Uh, Coming out next week, uh, it is our interview with Rod Rice, the wonderful Brazilian artist of New Mutants uh, and uh, Dark Web X-Men. He's done a lot of stuff. He's so delightful. He's such a sweetheart. Both Adam and I have such a big crush on him, which is appropriate because it's our creator crush.
0: Was there any uh, excellent moment? thing that you really enjoyed any discussion topic that you thought really got to the bottom of things
1: Um, just really enjoyed uh, hearing about kind of like how he broke into comics and you know his process and his influences and we also found out he's also a DJ and he loves Hades music. I'm not making that up, wow. Brent. Wow. Just set
2: it up. Is he single for you? Yeah. <laughs> he's also
1: straight, and he's married to a woman. Is, is, he, is he single for you? Yeah. Single. I was like, I even said to him, "If I didn't have a crush on you before Rod, I certainly do now." That's why we call it Creator Crush. Uh, another piece of housekeeping: because we
0: fall in love with the people we interview. <laughs> we do.
1: <laughs> it's great. We just like keep we looking so in their fun. eyes. <laughs> Doesn't matter who they are. If you want to come on our Creator Crush, we will fall in love with yeah. you. Uh, Another quick piece of housekeeping, uh, our friends uh, at House of X, the podcast, and the Facebook group did a Sinister Gala, which will be uh, on their YouTube channel next week. Uh, It was really fun. A bunch of other podcasts were on there, including X-Reads Podcast, X-Wives, Power of X-Men, Grey Malkin Lane, Mutant Watch, uh, X for Show... And you know we talked about some fun X Men stuff. Played a little scavenger game. We even did a our own version of RuPaul's. The uh, library is open, so uh, look for that next week on House of X's YouTube channel. And
0: you also talked about uh, Uncanny Experience, right? Which is happening in we Minneapolis.
1: Did. Yeah. in September. Correct. There's,
0: tickets are available for still. Yeah, as I understand
1: it. Uh, yep. Just go to Uncanny Experience. Uh, just Google it, and you'll be able to find it and get tickets. It's going to be an immersive. X-Men uh, experience.
0: All right, let's get into what our equivalent of news is. The Marvel Unlimited X-Panel which is meant to celebrate 60 years of X-Men and look through they talked to creators from three generations. Forever.
2: Uh, it took three generations to get that shit done. <laughs> they asked a bunch
0: of trivia questions that uh we got surprisingly wrong answers to. Um it had Chris Claremont, Mark Silvestri, uh, Louis Simonson,
1: Walt Simonson, Ring- L- Simonson,
0: Rob Layfield for some reason
1: <laughs> who looks like one of his drawings now.
0: Yeah, um, and it also had uh, Grant Morrison and uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, it had a uh who who were the uh, it had Mark no sorry Bo Bo Dimeo Dumeo who is the executive who is a showrunner for the upcoming. X Men '97 series. There's had some
2: woman who has had quite the blowout. We loved her. Yeah, she was great. Yeah,
0: um, she was. She also helped produce and create the X Men, the original '92 yes. show. Yeah. Um, all right. So we kind of hoped that there would be something newsworthy that came out of this or a trailer for '97. None of that really happened. Given that, what was your favorite part about this? Was there anything you thought was particularly interesting or fun?
1: Uh, I think the trivia wasn't bad. I think the it was difficult, which was good. Yeah, some of it was tough trivia. Like it's not just the most basic shit. Like yeah. where is
2: Jean Grey born?
1: Yeah, and I was like,
2: which I got right, but I don't remember what the hell it was. It was something yeah.
1: on upon Hudson, An- New York.
2: An- Anford upon Harford. Yeah, Annapolis An- uh, that
1: upon British
0: Annandale upon on,
1: Annandale upon Hudson on on Hudson. Yeah. Which is some like upstate New York bullshit. Yeah, but Annandale uh, is a Virginia. Yeah, but um, the, uh, the the moderator I thought did a pretty good job of moderating like three, yeah. four panels really, um, you know, and it was really f- I wonderful. Don't know. I
2: can moderate better than that. Sure, you can. Oh. Based on based, on based on based on my theater career, yeah. I oh. should, and have <laughs> yeah. and have.
1: Okay, Clark. Uh, I will say Louise Simonson was a goddamn delight. She was yes. lovely. Yes, she was wonderful. Chris she Claremont is, was great. like. Why am I here? Why am I talking to you? He, he really was, seemed dejected. He, he was
2: trying his best not to say how fucked up the end of his, his run was.
1: He's a bitter, bitter man, uh, and I feel bad for him. I mean, he invested so much of his time, and yeah. he was like, he was let go unceremoniously from the X-Men.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, are there any parts that you enjoyed? No. Okay. Well, what I enjoyed uh, was hearing Hickman talk about the way he views continuity and how he talked about it being kind of a fuzzy thing that his job is to kind of tell campfire stories and that what continuity means to him is the important moments, the things that people generally remember and that he's not as concerned with the most subtle of details being the kinds of things that you have to latch your character onto. So right. that's
2: what I didn't don't like. But I think
0: it's important that like some writers are going to get things wrong and everyone doesn't have to respect them for that.
1: I will say kind of a flip of that, uh, Grant Morrison, who was on the same panel as, as Hickman, uh, said that the reason for the secondary mutation uh, in their run of New X-Men, specifically Emma Frost and her diamond form, was because... Mm-hmm. Colossus wasn't available. Colossus was canonically dead. He was dead. legacy virused. With, was, uh,
2: with the in order to save everybody.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, was it? It wasn't Eve of Destruction. It was like, but it was like right around it that was era. The
2: sad one where everything ended.
1: Yeah, it was right before like Morrison took over yeah. New X Men and Joe Casey took over Uncanny. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things where like continuity. Uh, you know, when you have dead ends, you can lead into something really wonderful. And Emma's diamond form is still a big part of her character now. Yeah. Uh,
0: nothing to plug with it, so let's just move into mutant madness.
2: She's got the look. She's
1: got the look. Um, uh, we're doing our Ryan, best Ryan Crawl impression. We're getting no. pretty good at this, yeah. by the way. It's week three. Uh, it's March, uh, and so we're asking all of you to vote <laughs> through <laughs> <laughs> on on Twitter on Homesbury X and Instagram on. In Homosuperior- case you the
0: listeners forgot, it's March.
1: Lousy, it's March weather. Uh, but we're asking you all to vote on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is Homo Superior X. Our Instagram is Homo Superior Podcast. To vote for your favorite looks uh, of four of our favorite X-Men. That's Storm, Jean Grey, Rogue, and Kate slash Kitty Pride. Um, round one is almost over. We're about to start round two. Uh, and then the voting is going to get fast and furious, even more so in some favorite looks are going to... Unfortunately, be voted down mm-hmm. uh, because we're getting into some like the iconic looks versus iconic looks. A few trend lines I've noticed: all the Hellfire Gala looks have advanced, which is should come as no shock to anyone, cause, except for the
0: Cape Pride one. Sorry, go on. Uh,
1: you're wrong. Uh, most of the Jim Lee '90s designs have mm-hmm. advanced, uh, which again, not a shock because they're s- as some of the most iconic looks. The only one that didn't was the Jean Gray one because it was up against Hellfire Gala Jean. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of the Ultimate Designs of Advance.
2: As it should be.
1: Again, not a shock. They're generic as fuck. They were generic 20 years ago, and they're still generic. And only half of the Age of Apocalypse designs of Advance, which makes Adam kind of half happy, half sad. He'd be saying that yeah. if he was here. But, we're near, as I said, we're nearly done with round one, and I've got a few questions for y'all. Are there any looks that didn't make it to round two that you wish did? Clark.
2: My and I knew was wasn't gonna make it because it was up against the um, Phoenix Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, um, Jean Grey. But I love the Bustier number from her Hellfire appearance. So she's
0: got uh, Black Queen. She's got a huge blue coat, and then her hair is cut into like a, what looks like a cinnamon bun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: and then she's got like yeah, some, some sort of Bustier. Yeah, on. she's yeah, a little, some some bondage situation
1: i mean it was definitely claremont's like fetish yes her
0: nickname was madam prior yeah
1: (laughs) that's pretty good actually pretty good all right what about you brent
0: so i knew that it was not going to win but we i want to talk about rogues uh orange tunic versus the X-Men blue most iconic
1: rogue look. Yeah, the Jim Lee design. The Jim Lee
0: design where she's got the jacket and she has, you know, the the leotard that's green and, and uh, yellow. The the orange sweater is a better looking outfit. It is more fashionable. And also the X-Men blue look is not good. It is popular, but it is bad. It is not even a good outfit. It is just it is the equivalent of Of the the, when we people will wear business suits and sneakers, dumb, lame, you're not cool, you're not relaxed and fun. I don't like it, and I don't know why people do.
1: I don't hate it as much as you do. Yeah, I I, I can see why people like it. It's not my favorite rogue look at all. I think she's had better looks before and better looks after.
0: And I don't want to make it sound like I'm obsessed with the orange tunic because I'm not. It makes her look like she was in like clockwork orange or something. Yeah. (laughs) like you just, better. just it's like better. You just like a- it's better. It's just better, and the X Men, the blue one, is not a good look. And I think it's going to go far.
1: Oh, it's going to go far. I think. I think it'll definitely go far. <laughs> I
2: just realized I didn't vote for either one. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: were like, "Fuck this." Okay.
0: Other thing I wanted to mention is that Kate Pride has a lot of extra X Men looks from the Shield uh, to the Ultimate Spider Girl. Yeah, uh, she's got her ninja look. I just think that there's a lot where it's like they they for a while did not know how they wanted to design and organize Didn't this character,
2: know how to use the character.
1: Yeah, absolutely correct. It is it, it fashion victim. I think is the best way to describe a lot of Kate's looks. She's got a few wonderful ones. I think when they finally got to her Cat look from when Excalibur was first launched in mm-hmm. 1988, I think her Red Queen look for Marauders, I think, I agree. is great but a lot of other stuff is either generic or not very or good. Awful. Yeah. Not I, very good. I
2: didn't realize that. I think Rogue has the better consistent fashion. I like all her stuff the best. And more I More than more so than the Storm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, Storms are pretty easy. Yeah. There's like I, most of these there's a really shitty one and a really good one. A lot of the Rogue ones are just like I don't this is hard. I agree. This is really hard. There's a lot
0: more diversity in her style of looks.
1: Uh, and I think it's the perfect mix of, like, couture as well as, like, pret a mm-hmm. Like, it's stuff that you can see, like, being good streetwear, but it's fashionable. And, yeah. Yeah, and it looks like good superheroes. She has one
0: thing that's kind of going in her favor, which is that her power means that she can't be dressed in the most scantily clad Mm. outfit, whatever
1: she's Uh, got Savage Land robe. Savage Uh, Land robe, which I voted for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. where she's wearing next to nothing Jim Lee, you fucking lecherous old uh, man. Exception that proves the rule. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. But, I mean, I agree with you, but Storm's, I mean, when we get into round two, some of Storm's amazing looks are going up against each other, including the first one in round two, which uh, you will likely be voting for when this episode drops, or maybe the next day, I can't remember now. Is her original look from the '70s that Dave Cockrum designed mm-hmm. versus her Brotherhood look from X Men Red? Mm-hmm. Both are fantastic, yeah. And I don't know how I'm gonna vote. Yeah. I'm already at that point, so it's well. gonna be tough. Uh, which of the following look? Uh, um, which ones of the for the four would you like to see make it to the final four for Storm, Jean Grey, Rogue, and Kate Pride? Not which ones you think will win, but which one do you want to win of the top four?
2: The only one I can think of and I immediately think of it is the cowl and um hood not hoodie but the rogue cowl from um, Supernovas. Yes.
1: Okay, so you want that one to Thousand
2: percent. be 1000%. That is a
0: surprising uh surprisingly strong contender for me as well thinking because I thought you know it's going to be hard to beat Storm and uh her kind of original um outfit. I don't know. I, I think we make the, I feel I feel like I've run out of steam on this cuz we've we've talked about every week which which are the ones we want to make it to the four so.
2: Okay. Well, right. Those are yeah. All right. Mohawk Storm. All Keep right. Going. Let, let's okay. move
0: on. Uh let's let's talk about Polaris. Uh so, Polaris. Polaris. In the most recent issue of X-Men number 20, Jean Grey looking fierce in her green goblin outfit <laughs> confronts Brew about issues with the brood. Gene says, Brew needs to open his mind to her. Brew says, quote, we haven't done anything wrong. I would rather not. And then Gene responds by saying she wasn't asking and goes in anyway. So we went to Twitter to see what you all thought about this and whether this was a morally justified action. Um, we gave three options, totally justified, absolutely wrong, and then some murky middle ground. So we got a lot of votes. 9% of you said absolutely wrong, which I thought... Okay, I thought I thought that number would be a little bit higher. Yeah. Then some middle ground got thirty-seven percent, and winning, winning was totally justified with fifty-four percent. Okay, outside of people just being Jean Grey stands and willing to forgive anything she does,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: are there any good reasons why you could see this being a totally justified thing?
1: I think it's one of those things where it's bla- break glass in case of emergency. This is an emergency. It's a genocide-level threat uh, where, you know, she doesn't have the time to negotiate with Brew or tell him, look, I, I respect your agency, I respect your autonomy, but I have to do this. And I think you're in over your head thinking that you have control over the Brood, like something is happening clearly shit has gone wrong and I got to get to the bottom of it. Um, I think she was like, you know, I got to move past that and I'm going to break some eggs to make some omelets. So I can see that. The danger for me is, uh, you know, once you do that, it becomes easier to do that over and over again. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, sorry, Clark, do you want to say something?
2: I mean, yeah, I, I totally justified to me. I don't really give a shit whether it's like some sort of sliding, whatever. He's part of the problem here. He is not being a villain, but by doing this, he's becoming a villain. Like fucking, yeah, as you said, genocide-level threat. They're killing people all over the fucking galaxy. I mean, I don't give a shit. Sorry, Brew. Fuck you.
0: So the thing that, I guess, concerned me about the response that it's totally justified is, well, I can understand it, for one. I'm not It's, a like, a, a, it, it's like a small moment that maybe wasn't as, like, this needs to be really thought about as a moral decision, yeah. and maybe we're making too much of it, but that it, it excludes a lot of other potential options, a lot of different ways things could have gone. Like, what if Jean was not as careful in her, like, rooting around in, some, in his brain? What if instead of, like, digging into his memories, she instead showed him, hey, here's what the brood are actually doing right now. Can you let me in further? It's that he says, hey, I'd rather not And she comes kicking the door and saying, well, I'm searching anyway. Yeah,
1: it's like, this wasn't an option for you. Well,
2: if he doesn't want to see what they're doing because he doesn't want to get it in her brain, then she can't do any of these ways. So I also needs to expedite the fuck out of this.
1: Yeah, I would say that there's a
0: short, that like, all right, you want him to be slightly resistant, but not completely unhelpful. She could force him to see something. I
1: mean. So I was the one who posed this question on Twitter, and I was kind of in that middle between murky middle ground and totally justified. Maybe not totally justified, but justified. When I started seeing some of the responses from some gene stands uh, and also some folks where it's like, well, very much, I'm paraphrasing here, but very much the ends justify the means Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It is people who uh, I I wouldn't say that they're fascist or pro fascist, but they're cool with fa- <laughs>
2: what are you doing?
1: <laughs> Hold on, I got a point here. They're cool with with like fascist esque tactics in their 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 adventure fiction, like Jack Bauer in Twenty Four. Like I think is a great example yeah. of that. Or most cop shows where it's like I don't have time to law read and order and, like yeah I don't have time to read Miranda or the Miranda rights to this person. You know, it's like like yeah I might have you know cut corners a little bit. But, you damn know, it, I got results, but damn it, I got results, you know. Uh, so there's that part of it. And then the Jean stands is like, she can do no wrong. The people that said if it was Charles or Emma, we wouldn't be asking this question. I, I do
0: like that point because I agree. Um, I think that I would put this into the category of, yeah, throw it to the pile for terrible things that they did. Yeah. But then I think, yeah, back, exactly. oh, Jean also doesn't have a great history about rooting around in people's minds. See, outing
1: Bobby. Uh, yeah, or destroying an entire planet. It yeah. wasn't her fault, and she wasn't well, no, searching through their brains. Stand. I'm a Gene stand now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Is that what no, happened?
2: No. I, I do think that not that she has carte blanche to do all this kind of shit, but the other two seri- have have a lot of um, have had a lot of issues with rooting around in people's minds uh, against their will, and Gene is decently not doing that often. Yeah. So I'll give her some leeway. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know
1: it was a, it was our most popular poll, and hey, it got a little controversy. A fun,
0: fun little thing. Yeah. All right, let's move on to MCU Next TV. Uh, Adam, MCU <laughs> Next TV is our <laughs> weekly segment. allegedly.
1: If that's your name, yeah.
0: is our it's our weekly segment focused on MCU Disney Plus TV shows. This week we are reviewing X Men, the animated series, uh, season three, episode nine. In a segment we call Dat Uh Warren, aka Archangel, Archangel.
1: Archangel you know it's this, oh, it's, it's, this it's,
0: it's this dry mouth I've got I just I just need some some delicious water is this a commercial yeah is this
1: for water? Water? Dasani um it's just, it's, it's, I was, I didn't,
2: yeah. I, you know, my roommate and I watch a lot of tennis for Indian Wells right now. And yeah, the only yeah, yeah. commercials they show on Tennis Channel are like water. fucking catamarans and Fiji water and Lexuses. <laughs> no. And you're like, no human being that's uh, me can afford all this kind of fucking oh, shit. Oh, tennis is an expensive. <laughs> There's a commercial sport. that has like a bathysphere in it. I'm like, good God.
0: <laughs> I was thinking about doing that old ventriloquist act where they would go on the radio and they'd be like, and now I'm going to drink a glass of water. And they would pretend like the puppet's still talking.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) That's a great idea. It's terrible. Too bad we don't have our dummy, Adam right,
0: Warren, (laughs) a.k.a. Archangel, continues his... (laughs) 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 Keep going, (laughs) Brett. Warren, a.k.a. Archangel, continues his never-ending hunt for apocalypse, putting rogue, beast, cyclops, and wolverine in the crossfire. Um, so all I really want to talk about is the ship that has, that Beast falls in love with. I know.
1: Ship. Uh, you really know how to turn me on, Hank.
0: I- I'll see if I can. There's an override protocol, but maybe you can find a way to work it out.
1: Yeah, she was horny. She was fucking horny.
0: Clark, stop staring at me. Did you have any thoughts on the no, ship? I thought and you had a question
2: that you were going to no. ask.
0: No, that's all I want to talk.
2: Usually about. Usually, you ask <laughs> questions after that because you don't remember what the don't know what the character is or something.
0: So, <laughs> how, what did you think about this God. reintroduction of <laughs> Apocalypse to only have him I,
1: be shot into a space? I
2: feel like I mean this is a weak episode for me.
1: They're all kind of weak right <laughs> so <this> now. <laughs> I just didn't I,
2: didn't. I didn't like it. I mean, Archangel's fucking crazy in this.
1: He's nuts. But also, yeah,
2: the title is called Obsession or Obsessions, whichever one it is, and. For the most part, I would be obsessed by this too. If some man turned me into a monster six months ago, yeah, I would be a little upset. Yeah, yeah. with metal wings. Maybe and it should blue become skin. like reasonable obsession or something Re- like that. Reasonable. <laughs> Due to the fragrance, reasonable obsession. <laughs> I did
0: like that. He's like, we. I've been searching for months. We we searched everywhere, and we, we we're trying to kill apocalypse, and we finally found the answer. What's the answer? Stab him in the spine. <laughs> yeah. I think that'll do it, you know? It kills most people. (laughs) Can
1: we talk about the romance between Hank and the ship, though? I want more of that. Yeah.
0: I don't like that they took that romantic figure away from
1: Beast. Yeah, it was a tragic love story. Well,
2: they took the blind girl away, too.
1: Yeah. Like, give him two
0: episodes with the character before you have to destroy them or, you know.
1: It's just a little fling with the ship. Yeah,
0: Um, Angel did go, you know. Fucking crazy! Yeah. Rogue says to him, "Any sign of the big man?" Angel says, "Pledge yourself to me, Rogue." She's like, uh, "Sure. Uh, there can be no hesitation, no doubt." Warren, I do you pledge your heart and soul? <laughs> uh, y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> he rises. That's a great exchange.
1: He's yeah.
2: Having, yeah, he's doing well. Yeah,
1: you know, <laughs> to Clark's point, I mean, you know, some genocidal monster like destroyed why did his, his Rogue life. Have
0: to
2: pledge to him. I
1: don't know. <laughs> I, he's, he's going like through the stuff. American flag I don't know allegiance. Well, did you guys just, watch this episode you remember, yes. you
2: remember in uh, Uncanny X-Force where he becomes a new apocalypse that was a great story yeah, Dark Angel. maybe the Dark he's Angel heading saga. a little that direction
1: yeah I feel they're condensing a lot of what Warren went through as like Dark Angel and he eventually became Archangel and weirdly or Archangel Rogue is, is the Char-
2: touchstone for the story which clearly didn't happen in the comics
1: well it's because who else is going to be it's not going to be Storm yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or Gene, for that matter. Well, Jean's, Jean's dead. Gene's dead. dead in the, yeah. r- currently in the continuity, but I think what's funny is uh, the first time you see Angel, he sees Rogue, and he goes, H- "You're flying, but without wings. How is that possible? <laughs> that's their that's their bond. Yeah. That's their connection. Right oh, now,
0: you guys are both in, you're in the air. Huh? Yeah, exactly."
1: That? Um, what'd you think of this episode Brent? you're asking all the questions now you answer some questions lame yeah (laughs) (laughs) like
0: lame i i really like the way they do apocalypse's voice yeah Yeah. Uh, i like that modulation he sounds like bane and harley quinn but i don't i mean i guess like yeah non newtonian lasers are what stops uh apocalypse he punches the lasers and they punch back with the same force couldn't punch through the top though
1: we're just treading water right now until we get to the Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah. That's what's happening.
2: I feel like my favorite part was how awful of a boss Archangel is. Like we've got these people who basically are being like Japanese businessmen working twenty hours a day, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sleeping under their desk for four hours, <laughs> and like they want to go home, these people, and he just like shoots blades at them and say, No, you gotta stay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, good God. I mean he's like
1: he's like a robber baron, yeah. you know, he's like there's no, the only good billionaire is a dead billionaire basically. I did not
0: see any uh signs listing you know osha safety (laughs) safety protocols or (laughs) (laughs) labor
2: laws he ripped all those down
1: (laughs) it's like uh when mr burns like flashes back to his father or grandfather and it's like you there why are you stealing all my atoms i see i count in your pockets one atom three atoms four atoms and then like six (laughs) atoms six atoms (laughs) uh anyways yeah, yeah that's what it reminded me of
0: uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to some issues. Yep. Uh, this is where we talk about all things X as far as comic book issues go. And this week, we've got Immoral X-Men number two, Bishop War College number Y, uh, <laughs> Wolverine, <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine number 31, and Captain Marvel number 47. All right. Immoral X-Men number two, Kieran Gillen and Andrea DeVito. Uh, we take a ride along with Sinister Hope's Planetary Conquering Squad. While Sinister Prime turns heroish, creating and then releasing Rasputin Four into the world to save his ass and reality, how did you guys feel uh, about this connecting? About this story connecting with the powers of X? I mean, with Rasputin. With Rasputin.
1: You know? uh, I mean, it made sense because uh, Powers of Ten was the introduction of the Chimera, so we knew this was eventually coming back with the Chimera's being in the sense of Sinister. Uh, I love that this basically turned into Star Trek at the very end. Mm. Yeah,
2: I love that. I mean, I love heel turns, so I love Sinister's Prime's heel turn. Yeah. I love Hope thinking she's so fucking great and she's going to get rid of Sinister and blah, blah, blah. And Exus is like, fuck you, I'm going to leave you to die. Yeah. I was 100% on board with that.
1: It was a very fun story.
2: This is my favorite issue of the whole
1: storyline so far. I agree with that.
0: The continuing jumping perspectives for Immoral is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I I know it's coming forward, but... the. Seeing in the last uh, page, old woman's storm. Yeah, I thought was very cute. I know it's unrelated to what actually happened in the issue. But... Yeah,
1: it's next week or the week after's uh, storm in the Brotherhood number two, which is set in the same era. Uh, but yeah, uh, seeing like a good Sinister, basically uh, as a contrast to like what his creations have done.
0: Now, are you as obsessed as I am with uh, salt and pepper bearded Mister Sinister because my God.
1: Daddy Sinister? Seriously. I Woof.
2: first had troubles with thinking he was Colossus Sinister. Oh. Um, his, his costume redesign a, yeah. looks a little. I, yes, Colossus-y. I, rem-
1: I remember seeing when we saw the promo image of Sinza Sinister, that was the one in the middle. Uh, and I was wondering if that was Colossus or not, or some Colossus like, hybrid. But. Um, what I also loved was the world building of all the various Galactic Empire mm-hmm. stuff. I, I fucking can killing can't, them all. I cannot I cannot get enough of the machinations of the Galactic Empires in the Marvel universe. Yeah. I just like the Kree skrull Alliance, you know, the Badoon coming in, the fucking Chitauri, The Shiar all that being shit. dumb fucks. The yeah, the Shiar like completely playing this wrong. Like like give me more. It's like the Abnett Lanning, Guardians of the Galaxy type shit. It's you know, stuff that Hickman did in *Hawkspox*, uh, Pox, you know, all of it. Like, uh, Al Ewing doing it in Guardians of the Galaxy, like, I just cannot get enough of it. We also got
0: more explicitly the reason, or the the path that was set out by the original Nathaniel Essex in having these four approaches, that uh, Orbis Solaris was supposed to be taking a cosmic approach. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mother Righteous is approaching it with magic. Yeah. Dr. Stasis is doing post-humans, which I did not really make the connection with his... Monkey people? Weird Dr. Moreau approach to science. Yeah. And then Mr. Sinister with uh,
1: the X, SX men. Yeah. Um,
2: which I really liked. I thought that was a
1: no, it's, it's, nice touch. Is, I, I, like. I
2: like the uh, Sinister and Mother Righteous conversation.
1: That was great. Yeah.
2: Where we're like mildly working together, but also I'm going to destroy you at the end. Which makes sense because yeah. they're
1: like, you know, Sinisters, they're untrustworthy individuals. So, Every of course, they're going to be. Every just
0: bitchy. You. Uh, You work in DNA, which comes in four components. I work in 26. Good luck, bitch. And then she just like steps out.
2: (laughs) Just great. Yep.
0: All right. Let's talk about Bishop War College number two. Let's not. By Jay Haltham and uh, Sean Damian Hill and Alberto Roche. So Bishop finds himself in Earth 63 while his students work to defeat Orcus and the Strucker twins, a.k.a. Fenris, without their powers...
1: There's this book has elements that I should love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I like the character. I like what Bishop has become. I like the idea of training what? another generation. No, 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 not in this book. I mean, in, in the Krakoa era. In the Krakoa, I'm saying in the Krakoa era. Yes. Uh, I like the idea of training a, a, a younger generation of X-Men. I love like parallel universes. Mm-hmm. None of this works. It is, it is so. I, I I don't even know where to begin, and it makes me sad. Because we need more individuals of color writing the X Men. We need more diverse voices. Um, Even elements of the story of seeing like race swapped X Men. Interesting idea. Mm -hmm. The execution is just so flawed. It's so. I just don't care.
2: They don't make the characters in '63 interesting
1: at all. No,
2: they're <laughs> ju- literally, it's just the fact that they're race swapped. And yeah. You know, I fucking love the design of Cyclops and Jean Grey.
1: Yeah, they look great. A Beast looked kind of weird, but yeah, uh,
2: be- Beast <laughs> was horrifying. Yeah, I that was bizarre and messed up. I His head that, is like broken.
0: I can pinpoint the moment where I Neck. felt this. This story does not care about telling a complex story, and it's when they immediately when Bishop. Gene and Scott immediately start fighting that Bishop's immediate first response is who the fuck are you? I've got to attack right now rather than having any kind of dialogue or conversation that escalates. It's just the most, it's the, it's the amateurish way that a lot of, Older stories where someone who tried t- time travel in the past right. would go. And, and alternate
2: like, universes and everything. And obviously they look exactly like X Men. Yeah. They've got suits in there at the academy and everything like, 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 like that. But you
0: have experienced stuff like this, Bishop. Maybe... Yeah.
2: Well, Bishop's fucking nuts in this storyline and screaming at children. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. it's I tough. mean, if I were him, I'd be screaming at those children too. I mean, they're annoying children based exactly. on these,
2: the things we had to read this episode. The Bishop? concept yeah. of the,
0: uh, the blight spoke uh missed whatever, uh being tinkered with in some way, I think, could create for interesting character play, you know, who loses powers when and why, but to me it feels like it's gonna be more used to just forward any plot point that you've got
1: to have.
2: Yeah, the character character interaction between the kids isn't good or interesting at all. They're not it's not a good mix of kids. It's not a good mix of anything.
1: It's just this this feels inconsequential. And it's okay if stories are inconsequential, but they should also be quality. This feels inconse- inconsequential and bad.
0: Maybe there's something about it that'll yeah. pick up later, F- but
2: I feel like they undercut Armor, who should be they should all be fucking listening to.
1: Yeah, yeah, Ar- yeah, yeah, Armor and is- even
2: Surge was like joining in, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You've known this woman for like five years of your life, Surge. No, she's reasonable.
1: Let's move on to a better comic, bro Let's
0: move on to Wolverine number 31 by Benjamin Percy and Juan Jose Reap. On the heels of the Beast agenda, Weapon X kicks off with weapons beast. of X. Weapons of X kicks off with Beast escaping from the point, killing some military and vowing to clone Wolverine
2: a bunch.
1: Yeah. Can um, I
2: quickly say something beforehand? Yeah. Yes. That I didn't uh, didn't do last time. So in uh, Wolverine number thirty, remember yeah. there was like the the image of all the locations that Bannister could be hiding out. Yes. Yes. They um, were all over Virginia. Yeah, Virginia and DC. and DC. So I have the locations. I literally was like Google mapping and also looking at the to picture and, and zooming in all this kind of stuff. So, so there's get, one. That's, get your maps yes, ready. Yes, if you're a DC resident or what, anybody. What page would they find it on? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, who cares? Um, it's like literally a gray, white and gray and black map. So one of them is Shaw, which is in DC, Six and R Street, which is about what nine blocks away from where we are currently yeah. recording. Yeah. One is Eastern Market. One is just General Arlington at quote unquote Lubber Park. One is the one we actually Vanscoor
0: lived. Sixth and R is, you know, it fits as a residential spot. Yeah, kind Uh, of. Yeah, there's actually
1: a good bar over there.
2: Fairfax County is like um, Eakin Park. It says, which is where the, he actually lives in that area. Oh, that's gotcha. the one. And then the final one is Alexandria, Inova Alexandria Hospital, where I was born. Oh. oh, many many years ago. And all the
1: burritos. Have I been wish
2: Banners had just lived in that hospital. <laughs> he said that's where Clark was born. Yeah. yeah.
1: Editor's note where Clark was born. You so, should all know that.
2: Anyways, keep going. In this
0: issue, we have reached the culmination of a long fomenting storyline around Beast becoming completely evil. <laughs> he is the he would answer to total- You mean with
1: like a walking giant skull-headed monster?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the Nazi, the sketch uh, from David Mitchell where he's like a Nazi and they he's like wondering like, hey, do you think we're the bad guys? And they're like, what? Because we have a Nazi on our hat, do you think we might be the bad guys? Uh, like, yeah, I think you might be the bad guys. Slavstica. Yeah, it's a sketch from David Mitchell.
2: Uh, no, no, he said a Nazi on your hat was like a tiny little like. Yeah, yeah. three a, inch tall Nazi na, sitting. No, he's
0: got a Nazi hat. Nazi hat. I get
2: it.
1: Yeah, hmm. I all did right. not see that coming. Uh, okay.
0: The point is, e. the point is that it's a long time coming. Beast is fully uh, like against Krakoa, but says he's in favor of it at all costs. Yeah. He's cloned multiple versions of himself, which I have a feeling are going to work together a lot better than the clones of Sinister. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And has a bunch of clones of Wolverine. What did you guys think of the issue?
1: Um, I liked it. Uh, I do feel it's interesting that there is no, like when you mentioned the Sinister's uh, uh, clones, that there is no reference to that whatsoever. It feels like a little bit of a parallel or repetitive Uh, And they didn't, like, reference, that Sinister can also do this, because that's happening in the other X-Books right now. I'm also wondering about the timeline of this vis-a-vis X-Force, which is also written Mm -hmm. by Benjamin Percy, where none of this stuff is really being referenced. So, is this happening before, after, or, like... like kind of in between those issues, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: I, I, I forgot this wasn't X Force, an X Force <laughs> issue. Yeah, <laughs> it should have been. There's a
1: lot of like that overlap, and so, um, you know, like Beast is very much a villain. Uh, I think him deciding that, um, he wants a an army that he can control, and X Force is becoming too independent mm-hmm. or too, you know, they're questioning him too much, and you know, Sage being another power center. Of course, he's going to go and try to like, um, you know, clone or like have versions of their like their deadliest, you know, agent. That's Wolverine yeah. to be able to do whatever he wants. I mean, we saw that in a few issues ago when he controlled Wolverine to go uh, carry out an assassination. So all of that makes sense. I'm just wondering continuity-wise where this fits in and why uh, the clones of Beast. There was no reference to like clones of Sinister.
0: I'm fine with no clones of sinister that concern you. Yeah, to me, it felt like a very beast move that there he has been spying on Sinister all along. Yeah. Um, or that he has somehow hijacked the five in order to make these bodies for him that then he has to like bootstrap into uploading his brain to. Yeah. Um, I think they're great. I hope that I hope that like unlike the prison base that just was in two issues and then completely gone, that the concept mm-hmm. doesn't go away and that it becomes a important focal point for yep. that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clark. did you have any thoughts? No, uh,
2: just Benjamin Percy has been great since Judgment Day or whatever the fuck that shit was called. Yeah. Judgment Day. Yeah. yeah that, maybe, ever, both of his storylines, both of his comics have been really good after that.
1: Yeah, I agree. All
2: right, let's talk about
0: Captain Marvel number 47 by Kelly Thomas and Sergio Davila. Thompson. Sorry, Kelly Thompson. Jesus. And Sergio Davila. Davila. God
1: damn it. <laughs> Davila. It's Davila. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, Revenge of the Brood continues with Spider Woman, Quanon, and Captain Marvel's attempting to rescue Binary while the X-Team gets the recently discovered rogue to safety. Um, do you guys have any issues with, like, spatial awareness in this. I I feel like... You don't know where anyone is? I don't feel like I know where anyone is and how long it takes to get anyone anywhere. I I,
2: I like them saving Rogue and then I'm like, okay, we're going to put you somewhere else, Rogue. (laughs) We saved you and now (laughs) we're leaving you alone with with a 19-year-old.
1: rather disappointed with the Captain Marvel issues of this. Um, I've been liking the X-Men ones a lot. Obviously, we talked uh, at length about the last issue of X-Men with the decision that Gene made and that was like, It's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. It's a a moral dilemma. It's something that you've got to do, deal with a brood. Like, I feel like none of that's happening here. It's like, it's almost like there's two separate brood storylines happening. That's what it feels like. It's a
2: crossover without the crossover.
1: I mean, and that's that's fine. You can do that and, like, make it work. You know, like, Elements of Inferno from the late 80s had that. But this doesn't even, this feels so disconnected to me. Yeah. You know, and maybe there'll be an issue or two issues, like, Towards the end, that ties everything together, but I'm—it's like I'm—I'm I'm finding myself uh, struggling to care about what's happening in Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah.
2: I like that Polaris is team leader, basically. Yeah,
1: that's
0: cool. I also thought there was a very nice moment between Hazmat and Rogue on yeah, the ship. That was where that was, Hazmat that was good. Is, is kind of fangirling, and I think that I do enjoy Rogue the most when she seems like a composed leader rather than windswept and everything's chaotic
1: thousand percent I mean the best characterization is her in Mike Carey supernovas mm-hmm. where she becomes as leader of this ragtag bunch of X-Men to take on the children of the vault like it's... make her
0: feel like Dolly Parton more than anything else
1: ooh um, funding Moderna yeah okay all right yeah, yeah yeah okay sure yeah
0: all right. Uh, That's right that's been most of this stuff here's the last of it uh, it's Plug Me Daddy
1: Hey, you did it in yeah. one try. All right.
0: we like to wrap up with Plug Me Daddy, where we each get to a chance to quickly highlight some of the things we've read, seen, seen, heard, or seen, and experienced and wanted to share with you our little homos. Kalen, you've got a, a finger?
1: I got a finger and a whole fist. Um, Jesus Christ. So I binged all of Last of Us over the last few days, uh, right when the finale of the first season was coming out. And, you know, I, I've said before, I don't love the idea of passive adaptations of video games, meaning TV shows, movies, things like that, because when you're playing a video game, you actually get to experience it when you're watching it, you just see it. I've been proven wrong with this adaptation. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think the, the acting is fantastic, is wonderful. Like the character work is wonderful. And I'm even over like post apocalyptic zombie storylines. Like, Walking Dead lost me years ago. Right. I just don't care for like zombie survivalist fiction anymore. I haven't in a long time. This brought me back. It's really good. I think well, probably the most harrowing scene is from an early episode. So it's not a spoiler of the most recent episode, mm-hmm. but it's when they flash back to Jakarta, Indonesia, and you have the mm-hmm. uh, scientist being taken in and she's, um, you know, uh, examining the person who has the cordyceps in them. And then she asked the, you know, the general, how many people, you know, did you, like we there were four that she bit. We killed all of them. How many other people do you know? Maybe 14. And she just gets really quiet. And she says, there is no vaccine. There is no cure. What do we do? And she just goes, bomb. Bomb the city. And this is a composed academic, academic mm-hmm. and she says that and i was like holy fuck this is so well done yeah. immediately caught
0: so me. many great moments in the show do you think you would like it uh substantially less if it wasn't so queer as well
1: um <laughs> would you i hate don't know it? i mean i'm really glad that like you know they show a lot of queer relationships including the uh absolutely iconic episode three now
0: yeah uh, Clark, did you have a plug?
2: Um, yeah, Poker Face just ended. Uh, the Todd uh show on Peacock, which there were like two bomb episodes, but they, it's the ec- episodes, that, some excellent ones, Cherry Jones plays someone who does like special effects and stop motion and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. it's just like this inter-group fight over that, and someone ends up dying, all this kind of stuff. There's, It's a, just a fantastic and weird mm-hmm. show. Natasha Leone center. Yes, right? Natasha Leon, What yeah, is the yeah. premise of the show? Um. So, it, so she, she is able to see anyone's bullshit. And she says bullshit if anyone lies. If she, she's looking at the person speaking, she's like, nah, that's a lie. And so she's able... It's like, you know, the show Columbo, mm-hmm. where instead of Murder, murder, She writes where she figures it out, no one knows. At the beginning, we know who the killer is gotcha. before she does. And we see how she works it out. So she usually doesn't show up for the first 15 minutes of the episode. And then suddenly appears in the most bizarre way, and you're like, "Oh, she's been here the entire time."
1: She's
0: got a nose for crime it's, and eyes got, for lies. It's Ryan
1: Johnson, right? Who yeah,
2: did it? yeah. And Who, I, I, I always said, remember, I not didn't really like any of the Knives, knives out. out. I was gonna say noises off. Uh, <laughs> the, the 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 Knives Out. Oh, it's bloody noises yeah. off. <laughs> the uh, the Knives Out movies because I felt like they should be TV shows, and now I think I am. To me, I am right because I think. The second one, especially, of Knives Out, should have been a television How
0: show. How can people watch... Uh, Gotta go to Peacock. Po- pe-
1: poker Face. Peacock. 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 Show me your Peacock.
0: All right, my plug is for a TV show as well called Game Changer. Uh, it's a game show where the contestants do not know what games they'll be playing when they participate.
1: This sounds just Did you make like- this up? Yeah, this sounds like something you made up. I am obsessed because what, I feel what like is it's... Th- a- where is this on? Where so is- what is the it? The thing
0: that's annoying about it is that it's uh, on dropout.tv what (laughs) yeah (laughs) did you know it's Quibi that still exists Um, it's a it's some weird channel that has like a bunch of off-the-beaten-path type shows yeah Uh, if you've ever heard of VRV it's kind of like that okay Um, but they play just absolutely deranged funny games where you have to speak Shakespearean but throw in as many Seinfeld references as possible uh, they'll throw in crazy questions like, you know, Brent says, uh, jump up and down. Brent says, Brent says, jump yeah. up and down. And then you have to kind of try and match whatever the host is throwing at them. It's great. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, and it's very gay.
2: How long are these episodes?
0: So I have not watched a full episode. <laughs> <laughs> because i've watched Watch 30 seconds uh, of this i've i found it on instagram reels and uh, then started watching like five minute youtube clips okay. but each episode is like 22 minutes cool. gotcha um game changer game on, changer on youtube or instagram or dropout tv i have not watched a full episode yet but i have this so is much
1: fun such a brent show I, it can't, is so I can't even
0: much fun they'll do a thing where they go like all right, uh, pick a number, and everyone has to pick a number, and you're trying to say the highest number, but you don't always know what the challenge is going to be. Yeah. So it'd be like, pick a number, and someone would go 21, 22, and then he'll reveal, reveal what you were betting, which is number of Scoville units that you'll eat in the ten thousand. Oh, my God. And so then they have to eat like a 230,000 Scoville unit. Is there covers. is there a
1: game where you have to put your hand in mustard? Because yeah. I want to trigger Ryan Crull, even though well, he's not Well, they actually
0: here. have the Benet Jezret test. <laughs> <laughs> In mustard. <Yes. laughs> Fear is the mind killer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it smells like spicy brown. Check it out. All, all right. right.
0: That's been our episode. Don't forget to rate and review us. Uh, you know, we love you guys. And you can find us on Twitter at X, where we've got all sorts of polls, uh, holes and Kalen's opinions. And on Instagram at <laughs> Homer Superior Podcast, where we've got cocktails Whatever crazy thing Clark is doing (laughs) and also (laughs) Caitlin's opinions. (laughs) All right. Bye, little homos.
1: Bye.